gonna rock this shade Gonna scream my name Make you shout now, honey Gonna make you whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. And now, here's an indie blues double shot from our featured artist today, Dave Keys. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs.
times that are the toughest Is when we find out who we are Some folks we took for granted Well now they're shining like a star The doctors, the nurses, and the EMS Pick us up when the chips are down So I'm gonna send this out to those fighting on the front line, yeah Oh, and give them a great big shout, yeah So if you got a horn, you better blow it If you got a sign, come on and show it
some noise. And that was Dave Keys from his brand new release. And we got Dave on the line right now. Hey, Dave, how you been? Excellent, Richard. It's been a minute, but good to talk to you as always. Yeah. Now, uh, you've been on the show many times before, and we always like to give our fans an opportunity to get to know an artist. And the best way is always through their journey, their story. So uh, give us the story of Dave Keys and catch us up a little bit of what you've been doing the last time since the last time we talked. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, probably since the last time we talked, I was doing uh, uh, the, you know, I was doing a lot of work with Papa Chubby, actually. I was traveling, doing a lot of stuff in Europe and uh, playing with him, doing my own thing over there also. And a lot of road work. And, uh, you know, then uh, COVID hit, actually. <laughs> and uh, we, we all got uh, shut down very quickly. And, uh, uh, you know, things were quiet. I was recording at home a lot. You know, I did a series of uh, online uh, piano sort of lesson type things. Um, but performance-oriented also. I did a series of those while I was home, you know, just kind of got my home studio, you know, running uh, to the top-notch level that I needed it to be, and uh, have been working on this new record for the last couple of years, really, uh, you know, Rhythm, Blues, and Boogie, writing songs, and, and just you know, doing a lot of stuff at home, really. And now, uh, you know, I've been working a bunch lately, was out in... Uh, Reading, Pennsylvania last weekend and, uh, you know, doing solo stuff and doing stuff with my own band and all kinds of things along those nature. Okay. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about this new release. Um, what were you looking to achieve with this? Well, you always want to, I always want each record to be, each CD to be better than the one before it, both from a um, uh, production value from the songwriter's value and uh, I feel really proud about this one. I, I also wanted to uh, record with Bernard Purdy who I've been doing you know gigs with over the years but uh, so I was able to get finally the stars aligned and I was able to get Bernard in the in the studio for four tracks and uh and that was really uh a thrill for me and i think the tracks you know i think by nature of you know normally i would have recorded this cd probably a couple of years ago but because of covid everything got pushed back so i had a chance to sit with the songs a little bit more you know with me it's always uh addition by subtraction you know the songs get better because i'll make them more concise, uh, you know, just cut things down a little bit. And I really uh, was able to chisel away on, on these songs before we cut them in the studio. So I was very, uh, very pleased with it. You know, it was, uh, I always do a boogie-woogie piece on it, uh, which I did a tribute to uh, WBGO in, uh, in Newark, which is a great public radio station. And... Uh, uh, you know, I did a cover of a, a Willie Nelson tune, Funny How Time Slips Away. Those are both solo numbers. And the rest of the stuff is, 
Uh, you know, some shuffles, some funky stuff, some New Orleans stuff, all kinds of things. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about that process of you as a songwriter. When you sit down to begin to write, what do you do to kind of get things flowing? That's a really a, a very loose process for me. You know, it just depends. You know, my songs are generally about what's going on in my life, and obviously I try and make them relatable to other people also. But, you know, it comes with whatever either good or bad is going on with me, uh, just a, a vibe that I'm, I'm trying to, uh, you know, spread spread to the world, so to speak. You know, and I think with COVID and everything, it was kind of an emphasis on, um, uh, you know, just looking at the titles of the, of the CD. The first, the title is, uh, the opener is Shake, Shake, Shake. You know, and that's basically about the concept was... Um, we all go through stuff in life, and let's uh, let's boogie it out. You know, <laughs> let's uh, let's listen to the music and let's let the music uh, carry us uh, to a better place. You know, so each song is kind of a personal statement in its own way, uh, and and that's. But the process for me is so it starts with whatever's going on. It usually starts with lyrics, I guess, but a very vague roadmap of lyrics and then i start playing to it and we go from there okay you know i find lyrics um and melody to be kind of two different functions of the brain you know with lyrics being more of a of a craft uh very structured with the story and continuity and rhyme and meter but melody is a little different it's a little more creative in its concept um, some songwriters like to work off of just the rhythmic groove to kind of allow the you know the melody to freeform. Others take the lyric and its cadence kind of dictate where the melody should go. What is your go-to when you start looking for your melodic ideas? I think the, the lyrics. Um, you know, we all speak in a some of us more than others, but you know, there's a melody to the way we talk, you know, like just that sentence. I just said, there's a melody to the way we talk. I started up here and I went down there, right? You know, so there's natural flow to when you read a sentence, you know, there's a natural melody to it, I think. And I, I try and use that as an inspiration where I'm going to go melodically. Also, obviously, you know, it depends on the the um, uh, the field that you're writing in. You know, is it a blues song? Are the chords going to be? Is it going to be a twelve bar blues? Is it going to be uh, going to have more chords? You know, so the the mode or the genre will also dictate where your melody is going to go. Is it going to have a chorus? Is it going to be just kind of a straight through line where there's going to be no chorus? You know, the choruses for me are generally um, less rangy, you know, because the, the concept of a chorus is something that you can really grab onto and that is easy to sing, uh, whereas the verses are, are a little different. So it's uh, there's no... You know, I, I, there's no set answer for your question, mm-hmm. but there's certain techniques kind of that I'll use that will help me in the process. Okay. 
Well, you know, uh, a lot of songwriters have embraced the technology today, you know, as tools uh, in their toolkit, whether it's a cell phone or a home recording studio or whatever the case may be. What are some of the tools you have found that have become indispensable to you as a songwriter? Um, probably the big, you know, the biggest one is, uh, um, uh, you know, drum patterns. Mm. You know, because it's about the groove, and it's uh, you know I can't play drums. I don't pretend to play drums. And uh, one of the great things about technology is you can, even if it's just a, a very basic fundamental drum beat, you know, blues, a shuffle, or a rock, a straight rock, you know, you can have something. That, to me, makes the uh, groove come alive. It makes it easier to write with. You know, you can just loop stuff and just keep hearing the same, you know, 12 bars over and over again or same three bars over, over, and over, and over again. You know, so I use... I, I like to use drum patterns that are very fundamental. And, you know, when I demo the songs, you know, before I go into the studio to do anything with other players, I'm always demoing uh, my stuff. So I'll do a pretty well mocked up demo of, of, uh, of each tune. And then that'll give the players an idea of what I want. It also helps me in my writing process. Okay. Well, one, I think one of the things I think a lot of writers uh, get kind of caught up on is when is the song done? Um, you know, and that's always a biggie. Um, when you get to that point where you need to move the song from that writing phase into the production phase and give it to the band, create the demo, what do you do to determine when a song is ready to make that transition? It's a vibe, really. It's a feeling just that you have. You know, like I said, with the uh, in terms of COVID, I think these songs became better because my process was uh, more elaborate. You know, I spent more time on the tunes. A lot of times, you know, somebody said, and I don't know who it was that said it, but writers, you know, you have to have a deadline. And I'm sort of like that. Um, but you don't want to rush things too much. You know, so it's it's really a fine line. There's no uh, there's no definite answer to your question. Um, you know, other than to say that by taking the extra time this time around, uh, I think I came up with better songs. So I either need to start writing earlier in the process, or or, um, or make less CDs. <laughs> okay. Well. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about that process that you use in the studio because, you know, having a good song, that's half the equation. The other half is creating its identity, its sound, uh, its vibe. And it's not only for the song, but also for you as an artist. Um, when you get into the studio, what is your process that allows you to capture the sound you're looking for? Well, I think it starts with the uh, hiring the right players for the for the recording. You know, in this case, uh, uh, you know, I used uh, you know Purdy on a bunch of stuff. I used Frank Pagano, who's been playing with me for years. John Putnam on guitar played a bunch. Um, you know, it, it's about trusting the people that you hire 
to uh, all your band members or whatever, uh, and letting the song breathe and and not being afraid to um, to let people uh, take it and run with it a little bit. I mean, that's the way I always get get better stuff for me. Um, you know, in terms of singing, I mean, the grooves, you know, the groove, the type of music that I do, it's, it's very groove oriented. So as long as the shuffle is solid, as long as it's swinging, um, you know, there's just, it's sort of, you start the tape and you just let it flow. It, it, to me, it's not more complicated than that, at least in terms of the material that I do. Okay. Now, um, of course, you know, once you get something recorded, you have to get it out there. And you're working with uh, Betsy Brown from Blind Raccoon. Uh, tell me a little bit about that relationship and how that began. Sure. Well, this was, you know, I put out uh, six CDs. This is my seventh, actually. And all the, the first six were all, uh, you know, you make the CD and you go to the post office and the postal clerk would run as soon as they saw me because I'd come in with, you know, 300 envelopes <laughs> with CDs and, uh, uh, you know, going to all places all over the world. You know, those days are kind of over. Everything is, you know, so much of it is digital now. And uh, I just did not have the wherewithal to know how to do that, really. And uh, so... Uh, I was thinking, you know, what am I going to do here? How am I going to do this? And I was, I knew the record was going to be really good. And, uh, uh, I wanted to make sure it got out to everybody that, that should hear it, you know? So I had, uh, you know, I you just ask people, you ask your peers, you know, and I, I've known Bessie for a long time. Uh, I probably met her, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago at the BMAs. And I was always impressed with her work. Um, so, but I never took the plunge, uh, you know, cause it's not, you, you gotta, you gotta pay to play, so to speak. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and then she hooked up with, uh, Sally Bankston from, uh, Nola Blue Records and, uh, and Blue Heart Records, which is the label that I'm on. And I, I saw who Sally's label list was, and they were all people that I respected in particular, Denise Thomas. Uh, who I know from up here, and uh, you know, I, I talked to Benice, and Benice was was very uh, had a lot of really good things to say about Sally and and about uh, Betsy. So I took the plunge and uh, let somebody else put this out, and I think they've done a great job. So I'm really pleased. Good. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about the industry. You know, you had mentioned about, you know, sending out all of those CDs. And, I mean, no matter how we slice it, you know, CDs are, are quickly dying out as, as a way to consume music. Um, the consumer out there is, is really embraced streaming as a way to consume music today. And what has happened is... Recorded music now has moved from the status of product to now a service. And it's really kind of hurt the independent artists, I think, more than any other faction of the industry. How has right. that shift in perception by the consumer affected you? Well, 
until it affected me deeply uh, in my pocketbook, quite honestly, uh, my wallet. You know, because the streaming just doesn't, doesn't pay anything. It doesn't. <laughs> Let's be real. And, uh, you know, the only people that seem to really be buying CDs are in Europe. You know, once they stopped, once they took the CD players out of the cars, um, the whole, you know, the whole dynamic changed. You know, I'm old-fashioned in that I love to have, you know, I, I just bought another turntable. Uh, you know, I buy LPs. Uh, I listen to a lot of CDs. You know, so it's you somehow have to find a way to, and it's a work in progress for me, you find a way to generate, to use um, the tools that are available on the Internet to your advantage in terms of, uh, you know, marketing yourself, in terms of, uh, you know, maximizing the number of people that can actually see you online at one time. Right. You know, I'll give you a quick, I'll give you a quick, for instance, on this. You know, during the pandemic, I did a song which is on. I ended up putting on the CD also called Seven O'clock Somewhere," which is a tribute to the uh, frontliners, frontline, you know, EMS and uh, mm-hmm. uh, people in hospitals during COVID. And um, so, I put the video up on on YouTube, and a friend of mine said, "You know, the governor who at that time was uh, uh, Cuomo." Um, you know, has this thing that he sends out a daily message to the people, whatever, you know, maybe he'd be interested in this. I said, sure, whatever. So I sent it to him and sure enough, he, he uh, hit on it, you know? And so he listed it, you know, his, his little message of, you know, how many people were sick, how many people were well, blah, 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 all that stuff. Every day it went out to about 200,000 people. So I'm sitting at home and it's, you know, seven o'clock at night and uh, eating dinner. And suddenly my phone starts, you know, blowing up. And, uh, oh, Governor Cuomo put your thing on uh, on his, his website. And, you know, I, so I went to my computer and, and within, you know, two minutes, 5,000 people had looked at the video. You know, within, you know, a couple of hours, you know, 15,000 people had looked at it. By the next day, it was like 20,000 people. So you have that. If you can somehow find that hook, you know, that's uh, that's how things work. That's what you have to find that, the way to make that happen. Right. So, well, yeah, we've got to be nimble on our feet. That's for sure. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Now, you know, uh, since the pandemic, I mean, we all were kind of on lockdown and and now we're starting to slowly kind of gear up again. And of course, we're now faced with new challenges because of the pandemic, a loss of a lot of venues. Um, it's harder to route a tour now. What are some of the biggest challenges that you're finding post pandemic in getting back out there and and getting your career back to where it was before? Well, I mean, I think what you just said, you know, hit it on the head. We lost a lot of venues. Uh, People are not going out the way that they once were. Um, You know, so that makes it tricky because it's a very fine line, uh, you know, getting a tour out there. Um, You know, I have never, you know, except when I was working with other people, I have never been a huge touring artist. 
you know, would be kind of picking my spots and doing festivals here and there and getting over to Europe and things. So, you know, I'm kind of treading water right now, to be honest with you, uh, in terms of, of working uh, uh, a ton on the road. You know, I, I mean, I also, you know, I've been doing this for 45 years, and you reach a point, um, you know, particularly after all the traveling that I did, you know, for the last 10 years in particular, up until COVID hit, um, you know, you have a moment to sit back and you kind of recalibrate what it is that you define as success. You know, and, and right now uh, I'm content with, uh, you know, working less, but I'm writing a lot. I'm doing a lot of interesting projects. I'm involved in a theater project, uh, an off-Broadway thing. And uh, so, you know, going back out on the road uh, right now, I just kind of dialed it back a little bit. So, and I'm and I'm content with it, sort okay. of. I miss the I miss the gigs. I miss the people, really. You know, because you develop these relationships with people that you see out on the road. But you know, you try and stay in touch with everybody, and you go from there. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that I've been watching is um, when the pandemic hit, a lot of artists started going online and doing you know, online shows and, and, and like you said, you know, doing, you know, lessons and teaching their instrument. Um, they've been almost creating their own reality shows where the brand now has become the new product, where you want to brand yourself and get your fan base to vest into you or invest themselves into you as a person. Um, and social media and content creation has become the new buzzword uh, in the industry. How are you fitting yourself into this new world of social media marketing and content creation? Well, I've always been a sort of a... Uh, um, I've approached the business of music from a little different perspective in that I've, I've done everything from television music to theater stuff to live, you know, to blues gigs, to jazz gigs, you know, I, I to, you know, writing music for commercials, things like that. So the branding to me, um, is kind of a multifaceted, uh, process or attack so to speak mm. you know and that's one of the things that i think people know before they don't know before and i think right now getting the brand out that hey i do do all these different types of things and i think betsy and uh, and sally have been very helpful in terms of this in terms of the label you know i do a lot of different things but a lot of uh musicians don't necessarily do so I think in terms of my brand or my marketing, I it's it, it's a it's like a multifaceted approach to making a living and and branding yourself. You know, so like I wasn't always totally dependent on uh, playing blues clubs. You know, to make a living. You know, I had other money from you know television writing or whatever, which is which helped me because it. Um, I didn't have to be a slave to the road. So, 
that's that's kind of you know my approach is is just kind of hey, there's different ways slice you know to to get a piece of the pie and uh, that's what I've done all my life really musically that's how you know that's how I've managed to make a living I've never done anything else uh, you know since I got out of you know high school basically and uh, uh, that's that's what I'm going to keep on doing <laughs> okay that's fair enough. Well, you know, whether you like it or not, gotta keep it. doing it. That's it. Whether you like it or not, Dave Keys is going to be around. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, you know, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us. It's always a pleasure to have you on. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there an Indie Blues double shot from your new release. You guys are going to love this. You know what? Turn it up loud. Screw those neighbors. We're going to have some fun tonight. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. Richard, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. She gave me a thrill She said, look here, Pops Your mind is taking orders That your body can't feel Fellas, when you start getting older There's something that you got to understand When it comes to pretty young girls You might as well be mine as well be the invisible man A pretty lady said you remind me of my father two chins all gray and a little too fat that's when I wished I was invisible she said that Fellas, when you start getting older There's something you've got to understand When it comes to prettier girls You might as well be, might as well be The invisible man
invisible, but this rings true. A time and time again, the young ladies all look good to you, but you don't look good to them. Fellas, when you start getting older, there's something that you got to understand. Man. When it comes to pretty young girls, you might as well be, might as well be the invisible man. Doug, you know when I was younger. Yeah, now let me say, now Dave, that that's got to be a while ago. Yeah, well, you know. Those pretty young girls, they'd walk by, I'd look at them, mm -hmm. and then when I'd turn around, they'd be looking back at me. Oh, that's a good feeling, didn't it? Ooh, doggies. <laughs> But now, you know, uh, they walk by, mm -hmm. I look at them, yeah. and then I turn around and I look at them again, yeah. see if they're looking at me. Yeah. Uh, Ain't happening. It ain't happening. No. Well, I think I might have the answer to that. What do you think it is? Well, brother Dave, the truth of the matter, and I'm talking the truth with two F's. You invisible. Oh. Oh, I hope he's doing fine 
told him That's the same thing that you told me. Oh, seems like it was just the other day. Oh, ain't it funny?
Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Shout now on 